Welcome everyone to the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where garden nerds from around the world talk shop, share stories, and offer their favorite tip. I'm your host, Christy Wilhelmy. Terry Spate is back on the podcast this week. She spoke with us a few months ago about her book, The Urban Garden, which she co-authored with Kathy Jentz, and they came on that show together. Today, we're chatting about her other book, Black Flora, that came out around the same time. Terry runs her gardening business called Cottage in the Court and is the founder and president of the Jabali Amani Garden Collective, a garden club for predominantly African-American women. She is also the urban garden chair and liaison to the National Butterfly Garden at the U.S. Botanic Garden for National Garden Clubs Incorporated. Woo, that's a mouthful. Thanks for chatting with me, Terry. <laughs> You're very welcome. Well, I'm really happy to have you back. I feel like it took us forever to set up this conversation because you've been promoting two books at once. In addition <laughs> to your gardening duties, what's that been like? Um a whirlwind and that's being nice. I, you know, the opportunity to write a book, let alone write a book and then co-write another at the same time, this of a pandemic while still holding down a full-time job was more than a mouthful, but yeah. I managed it and I'm still excited about it. And I haven't been as active on my own writing this year because I've been promoting, but I've missed it. So I'm bringing it back. Oh, are you working on another one? I'm working on more blog posts, more in-person site visits, exploring the garden, and I'm just really taking advantage of all the beauty that's around us. Um, and I might be writing another book. I'll leave that right there. <laughs> okay. All right. I won't pry. Uh, I know that that we all have something in our back pocket, but whether or not we're actually going to put the time into it and make that commitment, it's a huge decision to make. So we'll just talk later sometime. <laughs> all right. You're in District Heights, Maryland. Um, yes. And I'm curious because I think you spend, you know, your other book with Kathy Gents was about small space gardening in urban settings. So What's happening in your garden right now? Wow. My garden right now is on the last hurrah. Mm -hmm. And not to say that it's going to sleep yet, but right now, my garden flows through the seasons. So the Rutabecchia herta is just beginning to pop. And I have art in my garden as well. So um, I have a piece um, from Black Art in America called The Last Walk. And the reason why is because my garden is on its way to rest and the Rutabecchia herta brings so many birds and butterflies and so much activity. The Budlia is, has got butterflies like crazy. I went out last week and they cleaned my garden up. I think I spent more time going, oh my, what a beautiful butterfly than anything else. <laughs> so it's a lot of activity going on right now. The hydrangeas are, you know, doing their um, change of costume, I like to call it. Hmm. So the, the foliage, the uh, blooms are fading and the leaves are getting, you know, a little tinge on the end. So my, my garden is inactive. It's in the midst of its final act, shall we say. Nice. I think that it, as a as a person who is who lives in a place where we can garden year round, I sort of envy that a little bit, where you can take a pause and just let the soil rest and all you know all of that and enjoy that 
transition into dormancy, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, so let's dive into your book, Black Flora. It's a collection of profiles about African-Americans in the floral industry, which we don't hear about very much. So mm-hmm. was was that the reason for the book? Uh, that was a really a large part of the reason for the book. So many uh, African-Americans and other people of color as well are in the industry. They're in the industry, not always as the help, but they're in the industry designing, growing, building sets. I mean, (laughs) engaging, doing weddings. Mm -hmm. And they're well known in their circles, but we really don't hear about them in the industry as a, a highlight or a feature. So when Deborah Prinsing, we met at the flower show, Philadelphia flower show, and she said, Terry, I want to talk to you about a project. I'm like, okay. And when she told me what it was about, it was like, I would be honored. And I'm still honored to have helped bring these few people to the forefront, hoping and praying for a positive end result. Yeah, it's a really gorgeous book. I mean, not only just the pictures of the floral designs and the profiles of farmers who are growing flowers out there, um, but really bringing to awareness this part of the industry that uh, I I just really didn't know much. And I'll share when we get to later in this interview, I'm going to share my one experience with designing flowers for a friend's wedding. Um, But it's not something, I guess, you know, we just don't hear about the floral industry and the design and how flowers come to market and the people who are behind that. So I found this really intriguing and it was just a nice walk down, um, you know, people's lives, just little profiles. I don't want to say little, they were big profiles on on people, but you get this kind of snapshot, a little peek into their lives, which was really interesting. Um, So you, you and your contributing authors, because there are three women listed in the back who, who I guess helped in some way with this, um, uh, you assembled this eclectic set of people in floriculture and it was including, you know, flower, family flower farms mm-hmm. to city artists who make political statements with flowers and mm-hmm. all kinds of cultures, as you mentioned, not just African-American, but other, you know, people from Latin America or with Latin American roots, people in mm-hmm. Hawaii and the deep South. And there's so much to learn within these pages. Can you share a couple of examples of the designers and farmers profiled in the book? Sure, and, and I, I want to preface it by saying so many people think, when they think of African-American farmers, they really think about food, mm-hmm. cotton, ag, anything but flowers. Right. And one of my favorites in the book, as far as growers go, were the cottons, a young couple with two of the most gorgeous children they are that gorgeous. are actively <laughs> involved in mimicking their parents in the industry. These young people did not want the corporate job. They wanted a kinder, simpler, gentler life where they could raise their children and provide a wholesome environment. And they've done that. They coordinated with another farmer, Organic Farm, which is always good in my book, Mm -hmm. um, in North Carolina. They came upon this couple and said, hey, We'd like to be your farmers. You all grow flowers. They were like, oh, no, but the money's in the vegetables. They said, let's try some flowers. And now 
Mr. Cotton is always happy to share that when he goes to market, there's a little girl that comes by because she wants her flower. <laughs> and she's almost like a walking advertisement for the love that they put into their product. That's just one example. They're in North Carolina. In uh, Arizona, uh, Aisha Lurie, transplant from the East Coast, arts background. She knew she wanted to do this small scale, but now she's going to markets. She has pop-ups. She offers classes. She is an integral part of the specialty, uh, Black specialty flower growers group. Um, we have an Instagram group that we are passionate about. We share and connect with each other. Um, Aisha is a walking example of if you're passionate about something, run with it. Just do it. Put your all into it and you will be a success with it. Um, and then another good example is Hannah Morgan. She's in Washington State. Hannah, another one with an arts background, at-home mom. She was a waitress and she was simply asked to make an arrangement. So she foraged. I, I like to say the garden calls us and that request led to foraging. Now she too is in the process of building a little uh, studio mm. where she can hold classes. She does a lot of arrangements for the local restaurants in her town. I mean, she's just blown up. We don't hear about these things. We don't know about these things because these are merely women, people of color, just doing their thing, but their voices need to be elevated as well. I agree. And I think that's why this book is so charming and wonderful. Um, I, I noticed as I read through that there's also this great sense of community with black flower farmers in particular banding together. You mentioned that, that Instagram group, and we'll have to get that for people who might be interested in, in watching, you know, following or becoming part of that. Did you know about this before you wrote the book or did you discover it while you were writing? Through the friendships cultivated in writing this book, we all just kind of started tapping into each other mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of it. It's, it's like the seeds were planted. We just needed that fertile ground to take root. That's what happens when you build community and when you build a strong community. Yeah. And what's the name of that Instagram group that um, people uh, can Black learn? Specialty, Black Specialty Flower Farmers. Um, we're working on a website and I'll make sure that I give, uh, give you that so you can post it. Excellent. Um, but then also there's um, the Black Florist. I went to the conference, the first one of its kind, uh, earlier this year. What an amazing group of women I met there from Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, New York, all of them with powerful stories. And you think to yourself, and so, so you know, I'm bothered when I hear other African-American women go, but I don't know anyone else is growing flowers. I'm like, you need to reach out, find that fertile ground that has been provided now so that we can all collectively uplift each other and share. I have, it's just sort of embarrassing. I have 
to share one floral experience that I, the one floral experience that I have. I, I was asked by a friend when she was getting married, this was years ago, she said, would you do my flowers for me? I said, sure. And I knew she was, you know, it was low budget. We went to the, the downtown LA flower market where you can get, you know, a dozen roses for very inexpensive. And we spent about $200 on flowers. And then I did the arranging all myself for free when, you know, we brought them all up and, and did the arrangements. And I, this is embarrassing, while I was arranging the flowers, aside from the fact that I realized it takes so much longer than you think it does to put mm -hmm. a bunch of bouquets together, um, I also realized that I was rubbing my eyes as I was doing this work. And the next day I had to call in sick because my eyes had swollen shut <laughs> from <laughs> rubbing them all that day. And and I'm thinking, what chemicals did I just rub all over my face? And I I know this is something, you know, the floral industry, there, there are a lot of it in like the fashion industry, the floral, everything, everything has a dark side. And, and did you run across any of that when you were talking with these folks? I think because each of the people that I spoke with were passionate about what they were doing. Um... The downside of trying to do it all by yourself, the downside of having crop failure. These are things that any florist, especially flower grower, will experience. One young lady right here in the DMV, she the deer just totally devastated her whole uh. crop last year. Yeah. And I could feel for her because it was like, oh my, <laughs> that's gotta be, you know, it, it had to hurt. Mm -hmm. Having grown my own and having a wonderful deer camp in my own backyard, um, fencing is a virtue. Yep. Patience is something that you really need to have. And you also need to think bigger than just the cut flower. What can I put around that cut flower to make sure that I'm able to cut it down the road? What can I grow that might not keep all the deer away, but at least it'll give them something to nibble on and go, we don't think so as they move on. Mm -hmm. So knowing, having a little bit of horticultural expertise in addition to the uh, cut flower expertise is definitely something that you need to think about. That's why we share. Um, the formal name of the group is the Black Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Ah, got it. In that group is where, where we share um, hints and tips and you know, we might, someone might say, you know, how do you dry this flower? Or have you found that amaranthus is great in arrangements? Or have you ever thought about using lemon basil in your arrangements? These are things that other people, they might know, mm -hmm. but as specialty cut flower growers, someone's working on a budget and you've got a lot of basil and you might have some daisies, you might have some dill, you might go, let's do something a little more organic. You might forage and add to that. A lot of people would never share that with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you bring up something else. We haven't really talked about flower arranging in and of itself. Um, we're about to get to tip time, so I don't want to spoil your favorite tip. But do you have any favorite flowers that you like to use in arrangements or, you know, to grow in your garden? Hydrangeas. <laughs> Hydrangeas are... I think that's my family crust. I grew up with hydrangeas. <laughs> I love them. I use them in, in just about anything and everything I do if I can get my hands on them. 
Um, Tuberose is another one that I mm. just absolutely adore. Um, and Nigella, I love using that. It's very delicate. And then of course, roses. Um, so this year, a lot of, um, last year, I guess it was 2021, I noticed that a lot of, of floral arrangers were into cottage roses. And I'm like, I've always used cottage roses in my arrangements, mm -hmm. but maybe that was not a shared thing. So hearing the excitement and the fervor, especially at the Black Florist Conference, they were really excited about using cottage roses. And I was like, this is way cool. Nice to see your, it's like walking by in a shopping mall and seeing like what you've always worn finally on a mannequin. <laughs> nice. That's great. Well, it is tip time. Oh, you know what? Before we get to tip time, I just have to go back to uh, uh, hydrangeas for a second. Cause as far as I know, there are two schools of thought. There are those who cut them all the way down to the ground at the end of the season. And those who just prune a little bit, what's your stake on that? I leave mine alone. You do? Okay. <laughs> I do until in the spring, if I wait until it gently begins to leaf out mm -hmm. and anything that doesn't leaf out above the fresh leaves, that's when I gently shape. I, it, this, this goes into my tip. Okay. Let's get there then. All right. So let's talk about that tip. It's very, very simple. Let the garden be. It's beautiful, whether it's green and growing or whether it's the end of the season and it allows, should you get snow or ice or freezing rain, that gives structure and winter interest in your garden. Leave it be. Who goes into the woods and rakes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that always gets a laugh out of people. Yeah. Sometimes the garden is better left alone. And the E in B... Everyone has to eat. Everyone has to have a roof over their head or they should of some type. So by leaving the garden alone, which is what I did, I do every fall, but the spring, I even left the larger part untouched. By leaving it untouched, it provided something for those leaning perennials to lean on from last season. Mm -hmm. It provided a protection for any type of nesting bees or other beneficials in my garden. So for people that just, you want something to do in the fall, go on a hike. Right. The foliage. <laughs> don't cut your garden all the way back. Don't, don't do that. I like that. That's great. And, and you're, you're echoing something, a recent guest who we interviewed about the garden sabbatical and taking a break from growing anything and just letting the soil do its thing. Uh, to recover and rejuvenate. So you're, we're just, I think that's the, in the zeitgeist right now about what we need as a, as humanity and what our gardens probably need. Yeah. What one conversation that I really have to bite my tongue when people go there. Yes. I cleaned up my garden this weekend. It's like, mm. <laughs> and I, I always ask, did you leave something? Mm -hmm. and, oh no. I just put mulch on it. It's like, oh, mm. Mm. And it really, it, it's, it's gotten to a point now where it really kind of touches my soul because it's like, I, I need to educate more. I need to share more because if they only knew by allowing some things, not the weedy, seedy things, but other things to break down, 
oh my goodness, I haven't bought mulch in seven years. What yeah. grows in my garden gets incorporated back in my garden. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Terry, for that expert tip and for being on the Gardener Tip of the Week podcast. How do people find you? Well, I'm in the middle of a website redo. I am still active on Instagram um, while we're doing this transition, but my website is cottageinthecourt.com. Instagram is cottageincourt. And my Facebook page is cottageincourt. And sometimes I write on Medium. And I'm beginning to write on Substack. Oh, so all right. Details, yeah. Details are up and coming. I've got a lot stored in from writing a book for, for a year, two books for a year. Now it's like, I got to unload all this stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing more of that. All right, Garden Nerds, you will find a link to Terry's book, Black Flora, on thegardennerd.com. Uh, we'll also post links to her website and social media and the other book that came out <laughs> this year. <laughs> That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at GardenNerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under GardenNerd1, on Facebook as GardenNerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!